And one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to another episode of Movie Night. I have to stop myself from doing the podcast intro when I do that. Uh, yeah. This week, we watched the movie My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, and just so you know, uh, I actually totally did accidentally and didn't realize until we started, but I am just staring at my own face. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little bit of kind of <laughs> we, I've said this on the podcast before, we, so when we record this, we have our cameras up so we're not just staring at a blank screen. We're actually talking to a person, or so it appears. Um, a very sexy person today. <laughs> mm. Oh, I didn't know you felt that way. <coughs> About myself? Oh, of course. <laughs> you just stare, standing in front of a mirror. But that's not the movie. That is just should be. random banter, which belongs in the podcast, damn it. Um, yes. Yeah. My cousin Vinny. Uh, so, Vinny Jones. Yeah, for those th those that don't know, um, <laughs> it's a Joe Pesci movie that came out in I want to say 1992. Um, but yeah, one that I I'm quite fond of, and I've gone back and rewatched quite a few times. Um, but Blue, I believe this was your first time seeing it. It's very American. It is very comedy. It is very frustrating at parts. Uh, those are the three defining signatures of this film. Yeah. So it, it is a bit of a, a comedy. Uh, well, it is a comedy. I shouldn't say a bit of one. But it, it's a comedy, but it has some, some fairly serious stuff happening in it at, at points. Because if you think about what's actually going on in the movie... I like, mean, the first ten minutes is just joke after joke after joke. True. True. Um, but the thing is, then you like you realize what the... like It gets, it gets kind of serious when it, it's looking... Anyway, I'll go over the plot. We'll, we'll discuss while I go. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, so the movie opens up. Uh, these two, like, you know, young, well, young adults. Early 20, snappers. College kids. Right? They're in a convertible. They're driving down, like, a highway in the U.S. And they're, they're crossing into Alabama. And you see their university textbooks in the back and along with some trash. And they're just, like, you know, they're, they're, they're college kids on a road trip. That's what you're getting from that intro scene. They're kind of, they have a New York license plate. And so, of course, they're kind of laughing at, like, the all the different signs down in this fairly rural part of the country where you got, like, free manure signs and, you know, firewood and all this other, random, just these random stores. Um, they stop at a convenience store and they're kind of arguing from their accents. You get their, like, you know, New York City, New Yorkers. And uh, they're picking out different stuff from the shelves, and they're they're penny like, oh, should we get this one thirty six cents? Should we get this one, you know, thirty one cents? Just now, I don't know your opinion on this, but mm. the New York accent really grates on me. Oh, I don't like it. Yeah, but I mean, that's. I feel like where I'm, I, the Boston accent probably gets on a lot of people's nerves too, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's New York's probably my least favorite of the American accents. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's one I like less than that. Floridian. Florida doesn't really bother me. I kind of like the Southern twang. Yeah. Um, but then there's the Californian accent, maybe just the kind of like the surfer bro accent. Oh yeah, okay. I get annoyed I mean, that comes when people like with a cocky person as opposed to. The stereotypical Californian accent is one of a cocky surfer. True, and which isn't necessarily. True. I don't. I haven't spoken to enough Californians to know. And I, I'm kind of generalizing there. California is a fairly big state. I mean, hmm. it's. I think it's like either it's one of the top three biggest states in the U.S. I think hmm. only Texas and Alaska are bigger. Um, anyway, that's not the point. But so they they you know kind of like pay for the stuff they get in the car you know they they grab like you know a drink and some uh, one kid gets a burrito and they just go off down the road they okay they had a big argument about clearly they're living on a budget yeah and they're buying crap uh or just the, the very cheapest food you can get and cans of tuna and just eating tuna raw yeah uh, well the thing is <laughs> it really does show how prices have changed too uh because they bought 22 different things. That that's a that comes up as a plot point later in the, the movie. They bought 22 different things at the store, and their total bill was $21. Hmm. So they were clearly buying a bunch of, like, cheap crap and stuff, you know, like to you said. To be fair, that's actually fairly... 
like that, that you can buy a pot noodle in the UK for I think it's like 50p and that's a cheap meal yeah um, well you said you had an equivalent because you talked about this recently yeah cup um, noodle cup noodle um, so they could have got double for their money I'm just True. saying there, there is but it, you know at a random rural convenience store who knows true it was a convenience yeah yeah sure. um, I'm, I'm thinking about this now for for reference, I went grocery shopping. This is sorry. Just to, I, I want to hit on this point again. I went grocery shopping earlier today, and I bought a lot because I hadn't been grocery shopping in a while. My bill yeah. was one hundred and forty three dollars. Holy crap! How and, much of that was in meat and alcohol? Uh, none of it was alcohol, but a ton of it was meat. Uh. Like I got you know bacon, sausages, ground beef. You guys don't need to know what I'm eating. Anyway, so they get back in the car, <laughs> and as they're driving along, like, one of the kids, because their arms have been full, they were shuffling items, and he had put something in his pocket, and he, intending to pay for it. He forgot about it, and he pulls it out, and he's like, oh, crap, I, you know, I, I forgot to pay for this. <laughs> and clearly not intending to steal it. And his friend's making fun of him. It's like, oh, you know... You, you could get the death penalty for that down here. The laws are medieval. And he's clearly being... I think he being... was joking about it. Yeah, he was joking. He was being sarcastic. I don't think he was. I think he was just a coward. Uh, yeah, I, I think some of his comments later kind of make me lean more on the side of him thinking it was all funny and a joke at the time. Oh, yeah. But right as, the, um, as they're talking about this, they see there's a cop car following him. And they're, the guy's like, oh, crap, you know, the cop's following us. And then his, his friend, who is a massive pussy, starts to get nervous. And he's like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? Um, and then his, his friend's pulled like, out a gun. <laughs> his friend's like, just calm down, calm down. Like, there's nothing going to happen. Cop's lights turn on. And he's like, oh, shit. All right. And so they pull off yeah. to the side of the road. And they're just thinking like, OK, it's just, you know, maybe I was speeding, whatever. The cop gets out of his door, you know, cocks his shotgun and, like, lays it across the door. Yeah, what the... F well, I mean... You find out yeah, okay, why yeah. he was like that in a few in a few minutes. But, like, isn't it, is, isn't it like, a, a regular thing that all cops are two to a car? These days, yeah, but, again, this is kind of, like... This is the early 90s, and this is, like, a tiny, tiny town. So they might ha not have two people to a car. Yeah, that that's something that that's very common. Like where I am, yeah, that that's pretty common. But also, but, yeah, no, I totally understand why he did what he did. Mm. Uh, but momentarily, I forgot the entire plot of the movie. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're like, oh shit, and he's like, all right, hands on your head, get out of the car. And so they, you know, they do. I always find those instructions funny. Hands on your head, but also get out of the car. So we had to take the mm. hand off the head to pull up. Anyway, just I was found that amusing. So they get out cut back to the convenience store and you see the clerk is lying dead you know with the tape all around him and yeah. um you know the the sheriff is there talking to random people trying to get statements and find out what happened and um somebody bursts in at that point and they're like oh we think we might get we might have a confession and he's like oh really and so he goes with him back to the station and they've got those two kids there and they still think it's about shoplifting and but the they because of, you know, again, this is some of the comedy bits of it, mm. where the guy's like, all right, so why don't you just tell me what happened? And he's saying stuff like, I, I, I don't know, it just, you know, it just, it just happened. Mm. And he's like, did, did, he's like, well, what was this all about? And he's like, well, it, the can of tuna or something like that. And the guy, the guy's like, did he know you had the can of tuna? Is that what happened? And he's like, well, I, I don't know if he knew. It's like, you know, and then the, the sheriff's like taking some notes down and he's like, you know, is this, is this a big deal? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. And so they, they play up the fact that there's a clear misunderstanding, but none of them are giving enough specifics to clear anything yeah. up. And, um, you know, the, the other guy is like, they're telling him he's going to get accessory and stuff like that, aiding and abetting. And his friend, and he's, he's kind of laughing at him like, hey, really? For this? And they're, they're, of course, thinking murder. He's thinking shoplifting. And then eventually the one kid figures it out because of something that either the sheriff or somebody else in the office said. And he there's like, is that when you shot the clerk or something like that? He's like, and he goes like sarcastically like, I shot the clerk. And of course, 
The sheriff is hearing him admitting that he shot the clerk. He's like, I know you shot the clerk, but why did you do it? And um, it's yeah, then it's that a he... contrived series of events. Yeah, it's it's played for for comic effect here. Um, mm. And again, it is a comedy, so in your head you're thinking that it's not it's not going to end with these kids going to jail for it or anything like that. Getting the electric chair, which yeah, they kept referencing. Yeah. But it is a fairly situ serious situation that's happening there. And, you know, that sort of shit does happen to people where they're yeah. just, you know, circumstantial like electric chair was before the lethal injection. Like, yeah, it was really not a pleasant way to go. No, and I, I'm fairly certain you can still... There are a couple states in the U.S. that still use it as an option. Seriously? Yep. Well, by the choice of the... Uh, victim's family or something. I uh, know. I'm not sure exactly how how it's decided. It might be the judge. It might be just what the prison is equipped with. Um, that is arcane. Yeah. Personally, archaic. If, that's what. I think firing squad. Okay. That's the best one. Mm, yeah. You want a good set of people shooting you, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, but and yeah, then you that... get a free cigar. <laughs> Yeah, there is... I can't remember how many it is now, but I think there's still a good chunk of states in the U.S. that have the death penalty. Mm. Um, Would you go blindfold or no blind... Sorry, this is morbid. No, okay, go on. For, for uh, uh, firing line? Um, yeah, I'd go no blindfold. But I think they put the blindfold on more for the benefit of the people shooting. Because they... It could be psychologically harmful to them to have to... Just puppy eyes. <laughs> 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 oh, okay, sorry. Well, that did get a bit morbid. Um, <laughs> the guy but, throws a grenade. <laughs> so then they, they go out into the room and they, they, they're realizing what's happening. And then some guy comes in and he's like, time to make your phone call. And yep. uh, so they, like, the guy's like, oh, we need a lawyer. A great lawyer. It's like, oh, we got to call this. We got to call that. And the, the, the main kid is just like, no, I'm, I'm calling my mother. It's like, fuck that. Yep. And so he's on the phone. He's like, ma, ma. And he's like telling her like what's happening, and it's like, yeah, my, it's there not good. We got a racist here that fucking hate people, and they're part of the Ku Klux Klan that fuck their kids or something. Exactly. Like, that was that what? was such a horrible like idea. Yeah, the the coward friend is like trying to interject, and he's like, they're all inbred here. That's what they do down here. It's like yeah. it's, they're all part of it. And um, everyone in the the office is just giving him a stink eye. Mm. Um. Anyway, and so they were like we need to get a good lawyer and they're asking how much would that cost and they're like like $50,000 or something like that and his mother's clearly irate on the other end and then he's like oh wait and then she's apparently telling him they got a lawyer in the family and here's where the title drop is like oh who my cousin Vinny mm. and then that's when you cut to uh, Joe Pesci uh, as Vinny a very young Joe Pesci yeah yeah yeah, let's see, he was, I think he was born, he would have been like 39, I think, in this movie, or thereabouts. Mm. To be fair, I, I think I mentioned at the end of the movie, but the guy that, the kid that plays the main kid, mm. I just, I'm not a fan of his acting. I don't know. He yeah. was in Karate Kid, I found it a bit fucking cheesy. This is also obviously a bit cheesy. So this is meant to be a little bit cheesy, so I can forgive it a little bit more, but... Yeah, it's more appropriate that it's cheesy. He plays cheesy. stupid too well. <laughs> Maybe he's not acting. <laughs> anyway, you were saying? Yeah, so Joe Pesci's coming down as Vinny. Vinny and his uh, fiance, um, who I didn't realize is the same, until I looked her up, is the same lady that plays the new Aunt May in the new Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Um, so that, that was crazy to me when I saw that. She is still as hot now. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, she is quite attractive. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, she. I, I. I agree with that. She's still pretty hot in the the new Spider-Man movies. Mm. Um, hopefully, she did wears more normal clothing these days. Yeah, and that's something we commented on. Uh, her outfits throughout the movie. It's very clear that this is like coming off of the tail end of the '80s because some of the crazy, like weird, like fluorescent outfits she wears. Mm. Anyway, so they both get off out of the car and you know pull in inspect the car a little bit she's taking pictures of everything like a tourist and is mm. saying you know stuff like oh i wonder how their chinese food is and pesci's being misogynistic oh pesci <laughs> <laughs> is he you rascal 
Yeah, he's saying because you're a woman, you don't know about the mud and the tires. No, no, Joe Pesci doesn't say that. Um, he actually, he he's throughout the movie is like enjoying the fact that she knows like a ton about cars and stuff like that. In this early part, he um, still says that she's talking bullshit. Yeah, but that's about the Chinese food. He's he's saying like you're, you're acting. No, no, like- about the mud. Because he doesn't believe that the mud was at all the problem. But, but he's he's saying that to the random guy that walks up. So they, I'll I'll describe the scene. So they pull in and right. he's he, talking. He said it to her first. I thought, but okay. No, no, he, he's talking about how like the car was like shimmying on the highway and stuff like that, and um, she was saying that hey, you know, you should get it up on a rack and look at it. You know, it's it's been weird ever since you went through the mud, and then he he says no, it can't be that, and so. But it's not it's not misogynistic. It's it's just him like thinking it's something else and she thinks it's one thing, he thinks it's another. The bit that's misogynistic is when the guy comes up, the the local, and he's saying, like, oh, you know, you got mud in the tires. And um he's like, Let me ask you something. How do you get mud into the tires? And then he describes how it happens, and then he turns to his fiance and goes, He's like, You ever heard of that? And um she says, No. And then the guy, and then he turns back to the guy and says, she never heard of it and she knows everything about cars. And then the guy laughs. That's the part that I would call misogynistic, if anything. Okay. Anyway. so I, I've watched this on. movie quite a few times. I can, I can quote quite a few pieces of it. Um, but yes, so they arrive and uh, they go to the jail because that's where the two guys are. Oh, and there's like a, a mild... What what? The the weird the, with the kid and the and Pesci for the first time. <laughs> I I, well, I don't want to say the word. You know what I mean? Though. Yeah, it, it's it's a joke that, um, dropping the soap. It's yeah, it's making fun of something that's very real that happens in prisons. But anyways, so the the one kid is like wicked nervous in the prison because he's like, oh, yeah, there's gonna be some big guy named Bubba and he'll protect you, but you gotta you know do whatever he says and whatnot and the other kids just like oh you're you're little you're going crazy and so he lies down and takes a nap that's when joe pesci gets in and the funny thing is he gets to the jail cell and he tips the guard like and of course now the coward kid is seeing this and he's thinking oh god this is that guy and he just paid the guard to put him in here with us so he can like and there's there is a bit of an awkward scene they're making fun of that Another another point in this movie where they're making light of something that is kind of serious, but yeah, um, jokes you can make these days. And yeah, they're not sample. It's clearly a very it's clearly a funny joke. So I'm not exactly they they pull that gag a lot in this movie where yeah. two people are talking to each other and they both have completely different ideas about what they're talking yeah. about. It happened in the police station. Now it's happening again in the jail cell. So anyway. They sit down with Joe Pesci once that's cleared up, um, and he starts talking to them, and they're, they're questioning me like, oh, how many murder cases have you done? Have you done any of these serious crimes? How many trials have you been to? And that's when it's revealed that Vinny has never been to trial, because he just does personal injury mostly, and he clears it up before it goes to court. Um, he's only been practicing for just under six weeks. Um... It took him six tries to pass the bar exam. <laughs> so it was six years since law school until he finally was able to practice. Um, what? Uh, I was going to say, I, I, I vaguely recall, so I remember, because I've read a lot of John Grisham, so I've heard about the bar exam and this kind of shit a lot. I thought there was a limited number of tries you could take for the bar, but I could be wrong. It's possible. And maybe they were just, you know, they wanted to make the joke, and so they omitted mm. that fact. Um, but it might be. But anyway, go. Probably uh, not. <laughs> yeah, if somebody's out there as a lawyer, you know, knows how many times you can take the bar. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so this is clearly unnerving to the two kids. Yeah. But he's he's their option right now, and so they're sticking with it. And this is where um, you know, there's a they introduce a few more like running gags where they're like going to their motel room or whatever and him and his wife are chatting and just oh i think at this point he meets the judge for the first time because it has uh he has to be approved as an out-of-state lawyer yeah 
and he goes in there and you know he's just got his his shirt on and like a gold gold necklace and pants and that's it and the the judge walks in as he's got his boots kicked up on the desk and he's judge is like kind of informal aren't you and um he looks yeah. down yeah they I have a little bit of a... get away with that in any state <laughs> yeah so they have a little bit of an exchange and this is probably something he shouldn't have gotten away with either but the judge asks him like it's like all right just have a few questions for you and he asks him you know how many years you've been practicing or no where'd you go to school he's like brooklyn academy of law and he's like is that an accredited academy and then joe pesci looks up and sees the degree above the judge's head and he's like yeah yes yeah and then yeah how many years have been practicing and he's like uh six almost 16 years so it's just like outright lies to the judge's face. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Sorry, did you have something to? No, the the, the constant lying to the judge was nothing that was like, oh, oh, I know it's a comedy. I know it's a joke. I know that things yeah. are wrong, but fuck. Yeah, there were, there that's were... the last person you want to lie to is the judge. Wait, the judge is presiding over this whole case. Yeah. Um. But it happens, and the judge hands him, like, a, a giant book that's, like, the Alabama court procedure. And he's like, you know, I expect you to, to follow procedure to the letter. And he's like, I, yeah. I'll react harshly if you don't. Um, so Joe Pesci goes out. He goes back with his fiance to their, their motel room. And they're kind of, like, preparing. And he's reading through the book, and she's asking, like, you know, how can I help you? And he's like, I, you know, I think, I, I don't think you can. Um, and she doesn't like that, because she's... You know, she she wants to help out with the case. She, but uh, he's just like, no, he's got to do it on his own and whatever. Mm. Then another running gag, and this comes up several times throughout the movie. Uh, in the middle of the night, a giant like ear piercing steam whistle blows off at like well, it's not the middle of the night; it's five thirty a.m. Yeah, and he comes down in the morning and asks like the oh excuse me, they go down to the, like the motels kitchen diner area and uh, they asked the guy you know like does that you know what was with the the loud whistle last night and he explains oh it's a steam whistle over at the the lumber mill you know show everyone it's time to wake up mm. and um and then they have grits yes then Which they I've have never had i've had them once they're not bad they're pretty good yeah. well are they cornstarch yeah it's base. it's cornmeal cornmeal with butter like okay. boiled cornmeal with butter, basically. Okay, so it's essentially bland stodge with butter. Yeah, think think like oatmeal, but then you add like you know butter or milk or salt yeah. or something okay. like that to spice it up a little bit. Getcha. Um, but yeah, the the gag there is like they they open the menu and they're both looking at it and it's like, what mm. do you think we should have? And she's like, oh, breakfast. All right, breakfast. And they look at the menu and it just says breakfast two dollars, lunch three dollars, dinner four dollars. And this, those are the only items. And so they're like, all right, two breakfasts. And he just takes a giant like ice cream scoop of lard and throws it on the oh, couch, like God, the fry yeah. top. <coughs> so yeah. much lard. Yeah. Lard is actually, it's healthier than people think it is. Not but that not is. that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Is, is Crisco lard over there? Uh, I don't know. I think Crisco might be more processed than that. Okay. More processed than that. <laughs> yeah, well, because lard is just, like, rendered animal fat. Yeah. But that looks... I don't know. It looked like a tub of marshmallow. It did. Fluff. It did. That was a lot of... That was that a was, lot of lard. Ooh. A lot of fat. Yeah. Anyway, so they eat breakfast, and then they go to the courtroom, and I think this is uh, where they, they have the arraignment scene where they mm. they go in there and um you know joe pesci gets there first and he's just kind of chilling out in his leather jacket sitting there on the table kicking his legs and the other lawyer comes in and looks at him he's like is your attorney here yet he's like i am the attorney he's like oh and then they shake hands have a little introduction yeah um he was remarkably polite for an opposing lawyer <laughs> yeah I, that that's something that i i Despite the fact that he's the prosecution, he's the guy, you know, trying to get, put the kids in jail. Like, I I had a really... I, I could not have any negative feelings for the guy. Because he, he no. seemed like just a genuinely good dude. 
Yeah, he fucking. I'll spoil his story in the film. I think this is this is a movie that um it 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 has no bad guy. Like, there's nobody who's acting in poor faith. Like, even the all the townspeople and the like, the prosecution, the, the sheriff, drunk dude that kept the two hundred dollars. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's funny. I'll tell. You. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to him. Um, but yeah, like most of the, all the main characters, they're all just like they all are doing what they think is right. It's just mm. there's a massive misunderstanding going on between the two sides. Um, yeah, oh so... My God. What? No, 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 go on. No, it's a part that comes up later, so we'll get to okay, it. Okay, okay. Mm. So, the arraignment starts, and all that is supposed to happen in this is they go... Um, it, the defense attorney, they, they read out the charges. Defense attorney says, my clients plead guilty. My pl- clients plead not guilty. Joe Pesci, having never been to, uh, you know, a trial before, has this exchange with the judge, where the judge asks him, you know, what their plea is, and he just goes, uh, my, my clients are caught completely off guard, and he starts to go into an explanation as to what happened. So he thinks he can get it dismissed like you would with a personal injury case, where it's like, if you explain what happens, the trial doesn't need to happen. Um, unfortunately, that's, that's not really how it works with murder. And so the the judge calls him up and um, is getting increasingly frustrated with him as this keeps going on. And he's like, he's like, the only words I want to hear out of your mouth are guilty or not guilty. If you so much as clear your throat, I will hold you in contempt of court. And then Joe Pesci goes like, and he's like, do I make myself clear to you? And Joe Pesci's like, I think I get it. And he's like, no, I don't think you do. You are now in contempt. And finally, Joe Pesci, like, says not guilty, and he's packing up to leave, and the judge is like, all right, take, you know, uh, Mr. Gambini here. His name is Vincent LaGuardia Gambini. Vinny, the main character. Um, take him into custody, and he sets his bail at 200 bucks, and he's shouting to his fiance, he's like, you know, you gotta bail me out, right? And so, um, she does. He gets let out of jail, and as they're walking out, like, they're, they're having a bit of a tense conversation because she's like, like you're fucking up here, and I, I'm worried, and I, I, I want to do anything I can to help out. And as they're eating dinner, he's, like, explaining, you know, that he's just, it's just procedure, he's just got to get used to it, whatever. She's like, well, I can't keep bailing you out forever, you know, because I already cast in some traveler's checks, and um, it's like, I, I tried to hustle some money at pool for him for the, to get the bail money, and apparently some guy stiffed her. And that's when... The character you're thinking of uh, comes in, yep. um, where he's like, "Wait, you got stiffed?" And so they they show up at a pool hall, which is just a brick yeah. building with a sign that says "Pool and Chicken." And honestly, it sounds like a pretty great menu. Yeah, just play pool, eat. Should have done. They should have. Well, they should gone with is pool and puyon. Puyon. P o u l i n. Is that how it's spelled? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. Spanish for chicken. Pollo. P-O-L-L-O. Pollo. Maybe it's French. You might be thinking of... Yeah. I mean, they're all going to be similar. It's a, another Latin language. Yeah. But yeah, in, in Spanish, chicken is pollo. Oh, anyway. fucked it. So they go in, they walk through the door, and it all goes silent as these two, like, clearly... Like, city slickers walk through the door. They got their big-ass sunglasses on. You know, leather jackets. And they walk in, and she points to the, you know, the guy in question. This this dude in a flannel shirt with one of those, like, life jacket, half a sweatshirt thing. I don't know what those things are called. People wore those in my high school. And it's weird. What, like the Marty McFly? Yeah, the Marty McFly thing. kind of jacket. Yeah. Where it's got no sleeves, and it looks like it's a life preserver. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he goes over and he starts talking to the guy, and um, he's like, "You know, I understand that you made a bet with my fiance here for two hundred dollars. I'm here to collect." And the guy's like, "How about I kick your ass?" And he's like, "Oh, a counteroffer. That's what we lawyers. I'm a lawyer. We call that a counteroffer." And they they have an exchange, and clearly the guy is like getting more and more confused, and eventually. He's like, all right, I'm going to kick your ass, and you're going to give me the $200. And the guy's like, are, are, are we going to fight now? 
And he's like, yeah, we're going to fight, but show me the money first. And the guy's like, I got it. And he's like, yeah, well, then show it to me. And he's like, well, I, I can get it. And um, he's like, all right, get it. And then we'll fight. And he just takes his jacket and leaves. Hmm. Um, let's see. After that, so they go back to bed. Or they, I think they're at a different hotel this time. And this time, when they're sleeping there, like, a bunch of, like, pigs are being herded in the middle of the night. And so they're just being woken up by the screeching and honking of all the pigs. So, again, didn't get any sleep. Next day, they're back in the courtroom. And I think this time is when they're they're choosing jurors or something like that. And yeah, I was, I was laughing at it earlier. Yeah. When uh, the the old lady, defendant, yeah. yeah, yeah. You want you he want to... to yeah yeah he goes up to the bench and he's saying uh, an old lady addresses him and he's like wait so are they gonna get the electric chair that's terrible mm. uh, and he's like these kids like I don't think he even mentions the murder does he at that point no he d- he does he tells them it like they're accused of shooting this man in a very cowardly fashion oh yeah in the back yeah yeah, yeah. in the back. Burn the fuckers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, it's like, fry them. <laughs> yeah. The change in attitude was hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, no yeah. No witness protection at mm-hmm. all. No witness protection for a murder trial. Yeah. Bit odd, but I guess maybe that's just the county, their, their state. Could be. And it, it, again, it's kind of a more rural town. I think witness protection is more like when you're testifying against some kind of organized crime or something like that, where there, there's an organization that might come after you rather than individuals. Yeah, I guess. Um, anyway, so that happens. And the again, the running joke comes up again where the uh, Vinny is like, and then the judge is like, didn't I tell you the next time you were going to come into my court, you were going to dress, you know, in a you know proper suit or something like that. <laughs> and he just goes... You were serious about that? And then it cuts to him in jail again and having to get bailed out. And... Which is not a good enough reason to hold someone in contempt. True. But to be fair, like, Vinny wasn't going to contest too much because he's already lied through his teeth to this guy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they... Uh, what happens after that? I think they go back and... Um, He's talking about, like, he's talking to his yeah. wife again at night. Oh, this is that awkward scene that, that you weren't a, yeah. a fan of, where they have a little, him and his fiance have a little bit of a flirtatious scene. Yeah, it just kind of felt like you're looking in at something that was just a bit private and it just felt a bit weird. Yeah, I think the scene was almost written too well, because with a lot of flirtatious scenes that you get in a movie, like, it's it's... Hollywood enough that it doesn't feel awkward, but this felt like you were watching two people in their bedroom, like two normal people who were just having a little bit of a back and forth there. Yeah. Um, anyway, now this time they get woken up because a freight train goes by in the middle of the night. And he comes down in the morning and he asks the clerk, he's like, you know, does that freight train come by, you know, at 4 a.m. in the or 5 a.m. in the morning, like every morning? And he's like, nope, that was very unusual. It's like, okay. All right. And he goes, they go back to court and now they're, they're doing like a montage of the witnesses talking and each of the witnesses were like talking about how they had seen this and how they had seen this and how they had seen this. And this is like the, the pretrial thing where they give their testimony, the jury isn't there. And then they give it again once the jury's there. And this is just for the lawyers to do the research. And, um, then they went on a hunting trip. Yep, yep. So he talks to his wife about how he'd really love to get the guy's files and stuff like that. And so he he's chat oh no, that he's chatting with the lawyer. And this is where the prosecution lawyer reveals like why he's in what he's in. And he's talking about how he he was a defense lawyer, and he's like, I kept getting like people who had done some horrible stuff off on some serious charges and I just couldn't sleep with myself at night. And he's like, so I decided I'd, I'd switch, you know, become a prosecution lawyer, you know, put bad mm-hmm. guys in jail. And, um, you know, Vinny then describes how he got into law. He's like, he got, he got a shitty traffic ticket and argued with 
you know, the cop on the stand until he finally admitted he was wrong. And then the judge that saw this was laughing and he took kind of took Vinny under his his arm and like under his wing and was like, oh, he, he encouraged him to go to law school and he did. And I, are you trying to make me laugh? Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Blue, Blue's sitting here. He's taking a drink and he's put a comb on the edge of his glass. Oh, it God. looked like an orange wedge. Sorry, yeah, go. It, it did kind of a bamboo orange wedge. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. That that scene happens. So you get a little bit of background of how both of them ended up doing the things they're doing now. Mm. And then he, the guy, invites him on a hunting trip, and he decides to go on that hunting trip. And him and his wife are chatting about it. And she's like, "Why? Why would you want to do this?" And he's like, you know, "I'm trying to like." schmooze him a little bit get him to you know tell me some information reveal some of his files and um it cuts to them on the trip and um he Are said about the deer with the trousers i i okay i'll tell that one i just okay. I, I was skipping over but yeah um so his wife is very against the idea of him hunting and she's like oh you're gonna shoot like a cute little deer and the guy, he's like what am i gonna wear like you think these pants are good for it and she charges you know, up in his face, and he's like, think about this, you know, you're a cute little deer, you reach down to, you know, get a drink of water, and boom, your head blows off. It's like, are you really gonna care what, like, kind of pants the son of a bitch who shot you in the head were wearing? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it cuts to them in the car, he just mentions while they're driving along, hey, I'd love to see your files, and he's like, you got a Xerox machine? It's like, no. It's like, oh, I'll take care of it. He calls the secretary from the car phone, and tells her, and scans all the files over to him or copies them. yeah uh, which considering how he's in theory part of a pretty big organization he could have been a real dick there and just been, a lot of uh, uh from what i've heard a fairly common practice is just super fucking padding out your documents if you're against a smaller lawyer lawyer group yeah and then they just don't have time to read it all before the case but they're still be given it so they're legally Fine. There are lawyers that'll do that to police uh, stations too. Like if it's a small police station, a more rural yeah. one, they'll just bombard them with so many requests that they'll end up like, you know, reducing a, a ticket or something like that because it's just not worth their time and money to do all these requests that they're legally required to, you know, comply to. Um, but I think that's another point in this that proves that the prosecution lawyer isn't a bad dude. Like he's. Yeah. He's a guy who's just, he's doing what he thinks is right. So he comes back all proud of himself. He's got this big box of documents and his wife's there, you know, or fiance's there reading the book about the protocol and everything like that. And, um, you know, he's being all smug about how he, he coaxed it out of him. And she goes, oh, you're so great at this. And he's like, he has to give you all those documents. He's, it would be a mistrial if not. He's legally required. And then he, like he takes the book away from her and stuff like that. He's like, I don't, I don't want you reading this. Just, um, and then the, the cop reveals that he is going to let them use. Oh, sorry. The, the prosecution tells him apparently also that they can use his hunting cabin to stay in as opposed to the hotels, which are causing problems. Um, so the next day they're back in court and I believe this is when they're starting to question the witnesses and like do some cross-examination but pre-trial cross-examination oh the professional witnesses not the witnesses sorry the professional examiner What's no no that, that's that's much later in the movie okay this is this is they haven't even gone to trial yet this oh is right still... yeah they got the stand-in lawyer for the oh movie. yeah that's the other thing that happens yeah because there's you know all this is going wrong when they're they're talking to the Oh, sorry, there's one other gag. When that train goes by the first night, it goes by the next night, too, but even earlier. And so he goes down and he's, like, ringing the bell on the desk repeatedly just with this exhausted look on his face. He's like, I thought you said that train hardly ever goes by at 5 a.m. in the morning. And the guy's like, yeah, that was weird. It normally goes at quarter past four. <laughs> just Anyway. So, um, yeah, so they, they do some cross-examination. And that, that's enough to make the, uh, the coward kid just decide 
he can't stick with Benny. And he, they talk to each other in jail, and he's like, I'm going with the public defender. And um, Benny's nephew, uh, whose name I don't remember. Public, the public defenders, by the defendants, get such a bad rap in any kind of media, by the way. It's because they're terrible. And they're not, they're not terrible because of lack of skill. This is, a, this is something that's another thing that they make fun of, but it's a very serious issue. Most public defenders, at least in most of the U.S., they have so many cases that they physically cannot, that there's not enough time in the day for them to actually give them all proper attention. Mm. And so most of the time, they just try to cut a deal as quickly as possible, or they don't have enough time to research the case, so they get their facts wrong, or it's 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 very bad going with a, a public defender, um, at least in the U.S., because most of them are crazy overworked. Um, even if they're they're talented and passionate about what they're doing, they just don't have the time to do it. But so uh, yeah, coward boy decides he's going to go with the public defender, and he meets with him, and he seems like a fairly competent guy. Seems you know fairly fairly good, fairly reasonable. Um, and Vinny's nephew meets with him, and he's talking, or Vinny's cousin meet you know meets with him, and they're they're chatting about. What they're going to, like, he's like, I think I'm going to go for the public defender, too. Like, we didn't know how inexperienced you were. And um, Vinny explains to him, like, he, he does this talk about how he's going to see through everything. And he's like, you know, the, the prosecution's going to make up this, this you know, this case. Just like a house, he's going to build it up about big, strong bricks. And he's like, but if you turn the bricks sideways, they're going to be as flat as he's pulling out, like, a playing card. Um, he's like... It's an illusion. It's a magic trick. It has to be because you didn't do it. And that is enough to win him over. And kids have a bit of a tense conversation that night. And he, he's like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And the coward kid goes like, he could still fuck things up. He could still ask like the wrong questions and the witnesses will have the right answers and it'll make the prosecution look more competent. Um, and... Vinny's cousin is trying to like win him over and almost does and then the lights flicker because they just executed that guy that people were outside protesting about earlier in the movie um Norton Norton yeah and then they there's like a, a scene where they're out in the woods they, this is the evening now Vinny and his fiance are out in the cabin in the woods and they're sleeping peacefully, and then there's a noise outside. This loud screeching noise. It sounds like a raptor. And so Vinny goes to like the gun cabinet in the corner. Yeah. Pulls out a revolver from it, like sleepily snaps it shut and goes outside. You see, it cuts to outside. And it's a tiny little barn owl making the screeching noise. And he- yeah, unless those barn owls are fucking a second before. No, because he actually makes it on the when you're looking at it. That's not what owls sound like. There, I mean, there are some that do have that that loud of a voice. Uh, they don't sound like that. That was like a raptor ripping apart a cat. You'd be surprised how loud some uh, some animals can be. And also, he would not have been able to hold the gun. Well, that's the funny thing. Uh, he, oh god, what's going on here? Sorry, my computer uh. just made like a very very loud noise and then opened a window in front of me. Ooh. They um, so he runs out the front door and just fires his revolver out randomly into the woods. Started blasting. <laughs> oh yeah, all of a sudden in Philadelphia reference. Um, so the next morning they they end up sleeping in the car, not the cabin, because it scares the shit out of them. And yeah, I don't understand it either. But it rains overnight. They wake up the next morning and they're stuck in the mud because they're it's already the sun's already up. They're like, oh god, because they got to get to the trial on time. He tries to pull a board out of the trunk so that they can use it to wedge the tire and get moving. And of course, his fiance had had his suit cleaned and it was in a bag in the trunk. So it flies out into the mud because it was sitting on top of the board. And now he's got a dirty suit. So they're, they're running around swearing and trying to figure out what to do. He go, She goes to try and buy him a new suit. He goes to shower to get all the mud off him. But the entire suit store had the flu. And... She sees a secondhand store across the way. Cut to the courtroom where. Oh, sorry. One other thing. 
that happens that there's been a back and forth where he meets up with that hillbilly every now and again who owed his fiance the two hundred dollars. Yeah. And at first he tries to trick him by having like a 20 with a bunch of ones like inside of it and a rubber band. And finally, in this scene, when he's walking back to his hotel and the guy's like, hey, little Yankee wuss, look, I got your money right here. And he fans out the money and Joe Pesci just fucking decks him, takes the money and then goes back up to his hotel room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cut to the courtroom. And everyone's sitting there tapping their fingers, waiting. Clearly he's late. And then he comes walking in in a rel a red velvet tuxedo. The kind of thing you'd expect like a magician to wear. From Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, the long like tailcoat that he's he's wearing. And um he puts his files down and starts getting organized and everyone's kinda like looking at this and the judge goes, Mr. Gambini, are you mocking me with that outfit? And he's like Mocking you, Judge? No, I'm not mocking you. And he's like, then explain that outfit. And he's like, and then he, he is like, listen, I bought a suit. You've seen it. But the suit got covered in mud. And this, sound, this town doesn't have a one-hour cleaners. So I had to buy a new suit. Except the only store you could buy a new suit in has got the flu. The entire store's got the flu. So it was either wear the leather jacket, which I know you hate, or wear this. So I wore this ridiculous thing for you <laughs> it was, I just I love that line so much just the description of the series of events and straight back to prison no no that didn't that doesn't happen yet oh, yeah. oh, I th actually no, no it does it does happen you're right you're right he does because Vinny's like you know he hasn't slept in a while and just the judge is like it's like, I'm not sure I like your attitude. And the, Vinny's like, well, there's a fucking surprise under his breath. And the judge is like, what did you say? And he's like, oh, I didn't say I didn't say anything. What? And the judge is like, I'm holding you in contempt of court or something like that. And, and Oh, no, that, and that's when he says there's a fucking surprise. Um, anyway, so they start cross-examining the witnesses. Mm. And, oh, no, it's opening statements. So the, the, one the, the prosecutor gets up. I think we've gone past opening statements because we've already had witnesses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, so the way a trial works is they choose the jury. First of all, there's a plea. Then they choose the jury. Then all the witnesses come in when the jury's not there and they give their statements for the lawyers and the judge to hear ahead of time to take them down all written. And then they go to the actual trial where the jury is in there and then the witnesses are giving their statements properly. Yeah, I thought we were already gone past that because we nope. talked about the. Okay. What 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 was the thing that you thought happened? No, 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 go on. Okay. Um. So anyway, they they so now they they give the opening statements. Uh, prosecution. He goes through and he's talking to everyone and he's like, he's talking about what verdict means and he's like, I'm going to be asking you to find this and this and that all happens, and now this the. The defender. Or, no, and then now it goes to, you know, Vinny. And Vinny's, like, fallen asleep on his hands. And so no, it goes to the uh, stuttering guy first. Yeah, that, that guy's third. He's third. I, and I, I know he's third because of something that happens right after Vinny says. So, okay. um, the, Vinny's cousin, the defendant, kicks him and he wakes up. He's like, hey, it's time for your opening statement. And he just stands up and he's like, everything that guy said was bullshit. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And then, then it goes to the public defender, and Judge, he Judge and goes disregard everything he said except the thank you. Yeah, exactly. The, he instructs the jury to disregard everything except thank you. Um, and then, actually, the other thing, I think that the the prosecution objects first too. He's like, uh, objection! Everything the counsel said is argumentative. And the judge is like, you know, it's like sustained. And he's then that's when he says that. Um, but then the public defender is just kind of like shaking his head and under his breath is just like putts or something like that. And then he stands up and he, he walks up to the, the jury all confident and just goes, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. And he's like spitting on them and stuttering and stuff. and Yeah. So the public defender not only is um, 
He's got a little bit of stage fright, it seems. Oh, I hated him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think you're meant to. Yeah. But he gives that opening statement, ends up being terrible, and now the coward kid is panicking again, and he's like, what, what happened to all the things we talked about? And he's like, well, I, you know, I just, he's like, I'm getting better. <laughs> so then you cut to them questioning the first witness, which is this big fat guy that's talking about how he saw them go into the, the convenience store, and then saw them drive off, you know, because he was looking out his front window, saw it, and whatnot. Mm. Um, I'm not sure you even can execute kids, even back in that day. Well, they would they would be adults. If they were in college, they'd be adults. I guess. They, like, the college age here is usually, you go in at 18 or 19. Um, and most states, the... It depends on what, what state you're talking about, but I think... People have gotten the death penalty as young as, like, six. No. Not for decades, but it has happened. I think I want to, I don't remember what state it is, but it has happened. Maybe I remember looking France. this up one time. Hmm? Maybe in France. France? Yeah, they did a lot of executing. Well, yeah, they, they had the whole guillotine thing going on yes. there. Um, but this is... This is kind of one of the turning points in the movie. So prosecution questions this guy. He gives his statement. Then public defender guy goes first and he goes up and questions him. And he's like, you know, so you could make this positive identification from this distance and whatnot. And he's like, uh, I see you wear glasses. You know, can you show them to the court? And he takes the glasses out, shows them around. And he's like, uh, he's like, so uh, you could make this positive positive identification, you know, from this distance you know, even though you weren't wearing your prescription eyeglasses, and the guy's like, the reading glasses. And he's like, what? Uh, can you tell me what color the defendant's eyes are? And he's like, brown, hazel green. <laughs> and the guy goes, uh, nope, no further questions. And just sits down, and when he plops into his chair, he says to the defendant, he's like, he's a tough one. You yep. And now it's finally Vinny's turn. And this is where, like, the movie comes to a turning point because he absolutely shines here. Like, he, like, hammers into the guy. Like, he's like, oh, how did you know it was five minutes? Did you check your watch? And the guy's like, he's like, no. And the guy's like, well, you know, oh, you, I get it early. You testified earlier that, you know, you were just making breakfast. You know, you saw them. You started to make breakfast. Then you finished. You were eating your breakfast. And then you saw the car drive away. It's like, obviously, it takes you five minutes to make breakfast. And the guy's, then he questions him more, and it, it revealed the guy had grits. And the, the big kicker is, like, grits take at least 20 minutes to cook because the water has to boil into them and everything like that. And then he's like, how could it take you 20 or five minutes if it takes every stove on the face of the earth, you know, 20 minutes? And he really hammers at home and, like, gets the guy to admit that, you know, he was wrong. He's like, he may have been mistaken. Yeah. And um, also, the one of the, my favorite lines here, uh, that he, he um, instead of like saying the witness was dismissed or something like that, or no further questions, he's like, I got no more use for this guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, from there, uh, things t start to go... A bit smoother they go through more witnesses he gets his suit back um oh sorry he does go to he gets sent to jail that evening yep and um this time his wife's like oh i'll, or fiance, I'll tell you i'll find a way to bail you out and um he goes no 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 it's like i'll, I'll just go to jail i'll sleep in jail tonight maybe i'll finally get some sleep and mm. the joke is there's sirens going off, there's slamming, there's banging. Prison riot, yeah. He sleeps like a baby, because New York, Brooklyn. That was the, you know, the joke they were making. Um, so the next day, he comes into court, and again, they have another witness they're questioning, and it's this older woman who says she saw it happening. She was out on her front porch, but she's got these crazy thick glasses and he shows that, you know, she can't see how many fingers he's holding up. Again, gets that thrown out. Um, 
Just goes through each of the defendants. Yeah, each um, of the witnesses. witnesses. Yeah, that, yeah, that come up and gets. Oh, also, after the first witness, Coward Boy dismisses the public defender and says he wants you know Vinny to represent him again. Mm-hmm. Um. So it gets to the end of like he's knocked out all these witnesses and it finally gets to um, you know evening before what is like the final day of the trial and um, he gets called he's on the phone with the the prosecutor he's like oh you're pretty good out there you know young competition and he's like yeah yeah I like it a little bit he's like all right I got a new witness coming in tomorrow and he's like you know you you know you have to disclose this to me he's like yeah I'll disclose it first thing in the morning and um, the guy that he brings in is an uh an fbi like uh forensic investigator who did like an analysis of the tire tracks and the rubber that was left as the car screw you know squelched away and says it matches perfectly with the tires in the defendant's car and um joe pesci is struggling trying to figure out if there's any way to refute this because the judge refuses to give him any more time to figure it out um he like they they have a, like uh, the they break for lunch. He's having lunch with his his fiance, and she shows him the pictures, and he's just pissed and stressed, and ends up you know they end up getting into an argument, and she storms out. Um, they go back to the courtroom. the def- The prosecution rests, and it's now the time for the defense to call witnesses. And it's in that moment where he's looking at the pictures his wife gave him, where he realizes something, and uh, he says the judge you know i you know I, my, my first witness is not in the courtroom i need like five minutes to to get them and just like you have three minutes and so he quickly jots something down on a piece of paper hands it to the sheriff and is like you know i need you to look for something he's like you know you do your own investigating and he's like i got three minutes please just help me out here so he runs out and he's trying to make up with his wife and she's ignoring him and getting angry and you know storms out of the building um he ends up like carrying her back into the courtroom and uh, says he's calling her as, you know, as an expert in general automotive knowledge or something like that. And uh, the prosecution says something along the lines of, you know, like, we weren't informed about this. You know, she's not on the witness list. And um, he explains that, you know, she's in there to refute the FBI guy's testimony. Uh, she tries to storm out of the building and the, the judge tells the bailiff to bring her to the, the stand. Um after a brief hostile encounter there between the two of them, uh, he hands her the picture and asks her to look at this and ask if there's, he's like, it's been argued by me that, you know, two cars of the same make and model and whatever, just like the defendants, both pulled in there and both pulled away at the same time or at different times. And they're just mistaken and whatnot. It's like, can you look at that picture and, and tell me if you have, if this, this, you know, if that case holds water. I did skip something. Sorry, you were going to say something. No. <laughs> cool. uh, you looked like you, you wanted to. I'm talking really fast because I, I saw the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, there was a, a brief exchange where the um, prosecution didn't agree that she was like an expert witness and he asked for the opportunity to question her and he gave her some really complicated like mechanical question and she just like easily you know breeze through it and they're like okay you know she's acceptable so anyway so he hold, hands her the photograph she looks at it and um she kind of comes to this moment of realization and then goes no the defense is wrong and like the the two kids they're like oh shit and then she's like and clearly this is what joe pesci was expecting he turns around he's like are you sure and she's like, I'm positive. And he's like, how can you be so sure? And she says, it's like, because these tire marks, there's no way they were made by their car. It had to be made by this other car that she describes. And um, goes into a big explanation about how the mechanics of the rear axle of the car meant that the tire marks couldn't have been made by their car because it had a, a different axle than the one that she thinks it is. And um, she gets called off the stand and then he calls the sheriff who had just walked in and the sheriff explains that you know he's like oh on a hunch i looked up if this car that she had just described 
had been reported lost or stolen. Sure enough, it had. They found it in Georgia and in the possession of two men that fit the description of the two college kids. And um, Joe Pesci asked him, like, if, you know, any, you know, anything else? And he's like, uh, yeah. They had a, you know, three fifty seven Magnum revolver in their possession. And um, that was kind of, like, all wrapped up. And um, the prosecution is, is talking to, like, the expert behind him. And he's clearly kind of, like, tense and thinking to himself. And he's got a very serious look. And um, the judge asks him if he has anything else. And he's like, Your Honor, in light of Miss Vito and Mr. Wilbur's testimony, there's a brief moment of silence. The state would like to dismiss all charges. And he even he smiles at this. Again, showing that he was kind of a good guy, too. Everyone yeah. starts cheering and whooping and hollering that kids are innocent. They got set free. They found the real culprits. And then... Um, yeah, I think that was really his call to make, though, to be fair. I think that was some bad lawyering. Maybe, but it, I don't know how that works, because normally it's the district attorney that would have to make that kind of call if they were dismissing charges. But I think it, they were going for, like, a dramatic moment. Yeah. It also might work that way in a smaller town, but... Anyway, so celebrations, cheers, they're trying to get out, because Joe Pesci thinks the judge is going to find out all the bullshit that he lied about. There was kind of a subplot where the judge kept finding out, kept checking on him, and he kept coming up with a slightly different lie to make sure the judge didn't catch him. And um, congratulations and cheers and handshakes all around as they're, they're leaving. He's about to get in the car, and the judge is like, I got a fax from you know the state of New York, you know, and, um, and he just shakes his hand, and he's like, oh, you're one hell of a trial lawyer. They go off, and him and his wife are having a, a conversation as they're they're driving down the road, and he finds out that she had, you know, faxed the judge or gave the judge a call that originally inspired him to become a lawyer, and he had vouched for him to the judge. Um, and they they have their little argument about you know when and if they're getting married, going off down the road, and credits play and music plays. That's the whole movie. Yeah. How long was it? The movie, I want to say it's it's not a terribly long movie. I think it's only like an hour and a half or so. Mm. It does move at a fairly decent pace. Yeah. Uh, again, a nice kind of chill comedy to watch. Yeah. It does have a few good laughs in there. Some things yeah. are dated. It's also just funny looking at like the technology differences. Because this was 30 years ago now. Yeah. This was all going on. Um, so it's little, you know, f film, crappy film camera. They're yep. all driving around in these, these really old school American cars. No phones. American cars look, used to look real cool though. Yeah. Oh God. Especially ones from like the, you know, sixties and seventies. Like they mm. did look really cool. That was when we were, we made the best cars in the world back then. And then the eighties came and they all turned to shit. I think Germany's always held that one. Nope. Not they they took it back after like once you got to like the eighties and nineties they've they got better but no that was that was always the U S um, Japan and Germany overtook us in the eighties hmm and that was about the time that Detroit completely fell apart too and started making shit for cars yeah oh, rip. well <sighs> so any any final thoughts or do you want to do you want to do you want to do a rating out of ten? What's what's your? Ooh. Oh, you had you had something for this, didn't you? Ooh, what's your uh... rating in tires? Tires out of ten. Tires out of ten. Give it a solid. Go six and a half. Like I think it's it's. That a... won't drive smoothly. <laughs> it was a, it was a solid movie. I'm thoroughly entertained by it, but it's not like something that's gonna like shatter anyone's mind and just become. I, I would agree. I thought you were gonna go higher, but no, I think six and a half is is, is a good good shout. Yeah, it's 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 a solid good Especially movie because you knew like most lines from it. But that's just because I've I've watched it so many times. It's just a, it's a great movie. You know, I have it on my computer so I can just put it on in the background and listen to it while I'm doing stuff. 
you know, cleaning around the house or playing a yeah. game. When you're not listening to Nicolas Cage. <laughs> God, Nicolas Cage. Halloween is soon. <laughs> yeah, another. Are we going to do another Halloween? Oh, that, that's. Yeah. What do you mean soon? That's six months. Oh, no, I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> oh man. I think you're gonna. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Are we doing anything for Easter? I don't know. We'll have to think about that. But that also is about thirty days ish away. Jesus and rabbits. Jesus and rabbits. Mm. If you can think of a Jesus and rabbits movie. I don't know, it's not very fun. No, it doesn't. Sorry. No, it doesn't. Like, there's only a few I can think of, and it's not very fun. You can? It involves Jesus and rabbits. I, I can think of Jesus or rabbits. But yeah, not, not anything put together. Hmm. Curse of the Were-Rabbit by Wilson Gromit. There's a scene in a church. That's pretty close to Jesus. <laughs> How about who, who Framed Roger Rabbit? I don't know if there's anything religious in that one, but there I might be. I don't think there's anything religious in there. In fact, I think it's distinctly sinful, <laughs> a lot of it. What about Watership Down or Peter Cottontail? Ooh, yeah, Watership Down, because then they go and meet Jesus. <laughs> yeah, they, they, a lot of rabbits die in that movie. This kid, uh, I've never seen it. I just heard about it. This outro's gotten... We watched it in grade school. Oh, really? That's yeah. pretty fucked up. Wait, and what's grade school? Grade school is everything from when you're around, like, eight or nine all the way up to when you're, like, 12. Okay. Okay. That's not as... I thought you were going to say, like, primary school, where you're, like... No. Six. <laughs> no. Anyway. Okay. That outro got very weird, but that's the movie. We both enjoyed it. Um, and... Nothing that's going to blow your socks off, but just a very enjoyable watch. With that, this is going to be the end of, I want to say, our fourth episode of Movie Night now. Um, is it? Yeah, the end of the fourth episode. We don't actually know what we're going to be watching next, um, because it's Alicia's choice, and last we spoke, she didn't know. So, Hitchhiker's Closet. Hitchhiker's Trapped in the Closet. Um, this one... There was there was another one. I swear there was another one. Because it, it was Encanto. Encanto. That's what it was. We don't talk about no. Uh. <laughs> We're not starting that again. We're just ending it. I already did the outro. We're done. It's over. The end. See ya.